Hello and welcome to the Voice for Choice podcast. I am your host as always, Kevin Curran. In today's podcast, we'll be perusing the Polish perspective on Sino-European relations, as well as the narrative that China attempts to impress on the V4's most populous nation alongside Russia, an understandably contentious topic at present. Joining me for this discussion today is Alicia Bakulska, a China analyst at both the Asia Research Center at War Studies University in Warsaw, a think tank that is affiliated with the Polish Ministry of Defense, and a Map Influence China analyst as well. So it's very much a pleasure to have you here, Alicia. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Before we get to the hot button issues, of course, is go back a little bit to the Olympics, which feels like uh, a century ago at this point. Polish President Andrzej Duda was one of the only Europeans to uh, make the trip to Beijing for the opening ceremony. I was just curious, what was his messaging in Poland specifically about what he wanted to accomplish by being kind of a lone participant in the pageantry in Beijing? So um, the official messaging behind the trip um, from the presidential palace was that Duda was actually traveling to Beijing not only to attend the, the Winter Olympic Games, but also to present to Xi Jinping uh, the European perspective on the Russian position um, towards Ukraine. And initially, this kind of reasoning um, did sound a little bizarre to some observers, especially given the fact that Duda was the only democratically elected head of state to attend the Winter Olympics. Um, but also the timing of the Xi Duda meeting was quite important uh, as it happened shortly after the Xi Putin meeting, which in retrospect seems like a real game changer, especially uh, in the context of um, the joint Sino-Russian statement, the joint statement by Moscow and Beijing, um, in which uh, both um, countries openly voiced their mutual support for um, their security concerns. And also uh, both agreed to oppose uh, NATO's enlargement, which obviously is something uh, that really began to concern um, Western uh, European allies. So from this perspective, um, Duda's declarations uh, seemed like um, an attempt to somehow balance the Russian diplomatic clout. Um, However, uh, given the current closeness between uh, Moscow and Beijing, Poland's ability to actually balance the Russian narrative was very limited. And this was definitely visible in, uh, for example, the readouts from the meeting between Xi and Duda. The Polish consisted um, of just a few sentences, while at the same time the Chinese side uh, was focusing on all the references uh, to economic cooperation, win-win cooperation, uh, Belt and Road, 60 plus 1, all these uh, slogans that are so crucial to Beijing, uh, while there was no mention of Poland's security concerns uh, vis-a-vis Russia. So more specifically, I'm curious about uh, the Polish reaction to the Russia-China New Era statement, because that seems like it would have been a nightmare for Duda uh, having been in Beijing at the time. As you probably know, uh, Poles have a a long-standing history of uh, being widely accused of uh, Russophobia, which um, in retrospect, I think that is actually more of an uh, ingrained historical and cultural memory of repeated Russian aggression. So bearing this in mind, I think that uh, it shouldn't come as a surprise that to Warsaw, uh, the recent Russia-China New Year statement, 
and also coupled with uh, Putin's decision um, in the following weeks, uh, is yet another proof that Poland's uh, distrust towards Russia is not a sign of hysteria, but um, rather a sign of realism um, and uh, a rather sober assessment of uh, Moscow's behavior. Uh, bearing this in mind, I think that to a Polish reader, the content of the joint statement uh, from Beijing uh, in many aspects does sound like a declaration of an unwritten alliance, which is obviously concerning uh, given the war in Ukraine. And if you look at uh, China's current diplomatic statements, it's uh, quite obvious that uh, Beijing is walking a very fine line between backing Moscow on the one hand and on the other hand, um, uh, avoiding escalation of tensions uh, with, with the EU. And China is very well aware that uh, too much support for Russia can very easily backfire it nevertheless is ready to cherry pick certain elements of the Kremlin narrative to promote its own um, long-term goals, um, such as uh, regarding the alleged role of the U US and NATO in uh, quote-unquote provoking Russia to start the war in Ukraine. And it's also clear that Chinese media are uh, promoting um, a lot of content in line with Moscow's uh, reading of the current events. Uh, which is also troubling. Um, but all these Sino-Russian developments are not very well understood among the Polish audience. Um, so uh, there are some news regarding China's position on the invasion that are uh, usually uh, framing Beijing as an actor uh, supporting Putin, which is also quite in line with the overall attitude um, towards China in Poland, which has been rather negative, um, as uh, different um, different surveys suggest. For example, um, the one published by um, the project Sinophon, um, which showed that almost 42% of the respondents uh, here in Poland um, last year saw China negatively or very negatively, with less than 8% declaring a very positive view of China. Well, you do mention kind of the importance for China and also the local audience, and I think that's a good segue into a paper that you recently wrote about how both China and Russia uh, weave tales in the parlance that's used for Warsaw and kind of impress narratives onto the country, whether that's with in tandem or uh, individually. I was hoping that you'd kind of introduce your paper and we can delve into some of the subjects that are covered because obviously the Russia-China overlap is a huge concern at the present. Um, so for, I would say, the last two years, uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, there was um, this growing debate about whether we can actually see um, specific data supporting uh, the argument that there is convergence of interest between Russian um, and uh, Chinese uh, propaganda or disinformation um, campaigns. Uh, but actually, because of the fact that this debate was developing very fast, uh, we did not have a lot of tangible data to support any claims. So um, there was a definite research gap um, here in Poland. Uh, so, in the paper, I've tried to fill this research gap by analyzing content produced by two major Chinese and Russian state-affiliated media in Poland, uh, which are both um, active here on the, local, uh, on the local market and are producing content in Polish, directed um, at the Polish audience. So, the first one, 
the one that is uh, related to China is uh, China Radio International, CRI, uh, which is one of um, the um, oldest uh, media of its kind airing in Polish since, I think, 1968, so really for many, many years. Um, and the Russian one is Sputnik Poland, which together with RT Russia Today uh, is um, the second most um, um, important uh, state-affiliated media um, from Russia. Um, however, uh, when it comes to CRI, uh, it's important to note that um, it is, uh, first of all, not very uh, popular among the, the local audience. Uh, Sputnik also is very popular, but still CRI is uh, more marginal when it comes to uh, its popularity. Um, but at the same time, um, it is very active when it comes to expanding its footprint um, digitally. So um, it's not only traditional radio, as its name suggests. It's not only uh, limited to traditional radio broadcasting, but it's also, uh, and increasingly, um, very active online. Uh, so it's publishing op-ads, um, commentaries, uh, different types of uh, reports on its Polish website. Uh, and also it's uh, very active on Facebook, where I think that currently um, there are more than 300,000 uh, Polish and non-Polish followers uh, observing uh, the Facebook page of CRI Poland, which is uh, a really um, big number, especially compared to local outlets uh, that are much more recognizable. Uh, you know, some of the biggest Polish dailies, such as uh, Rzeczpospolita, they have uh, less than half of the of observers um, compared to CRI, which obviously raises concerns whether these um, these people these these accounts are actually real and you know the the engagement is organic. Uh, Sputnik, um, it is probably the most prominent Russian state affiliated media uh, in Poland. It is, uh, I think, uh, a little bit more suited to the local um, media landscape because it's trying to position itself as this independent, uh, quote-unquote, independent medium nurturing critical thinking. And it's uh, obviously trying to somehow um, portray itself as um, an alternative uh, medium, um, alternative to, to the mainstream. Uh, so I think that these two outlets are somehow comparable um, because of both um, their direct connection um, to the state apparatus in uh, respectively China and Russia, um, and also when it comes to their form um, and general presence on the Polish market. So I uh, looked specifically at opinion-forming pieces, uh, such as commentaries, uh, because uh, they tend to generate a lot of emotional responses. And um, existing research uh, shows that they are more radical and um, um, examples of uh, pure disinformation have been previously found, for example, in op-ads uh, in Polish uh, published um, at Sputnik. Mm, I also narrowed down the scope of my research to two crucial topics, uh, COVID-19 and China because of the importance of 
these two um, issues in recent developments and how politicized they've become in, in the last two years. Um, so finally, I was able to identify and analyze uh, over 150 pieces published by both, um, by both outlets uh, between January 2020, which is the beginning of the pandemic, until the end of December uh, 2021. Um, so importantly, around two thirds of all these pieces were published in the Chinese outlet, um, which obviously shows the importance of the topic to Beijing. But when it comes to the general findings, um, one of the most important elements was the systemic competition with the US, which was um, the crucial element that both uh, CRI and Sputnik targeted in its coverage. Uh, so it was kind of a joint element in both narratives. Uh, both Sputnik and CRI were trying to discredit Western uh, liberal democracies. They were trying to portray them uh, as, you know, uh, being in the state of moral bankruptcy. And it was also both these outlets were trying to um, draw this picture of double standards that uh, Western uh, liberal democracies are imposing on other countries. So we talked about these main points of emphasis being uh, opposed to the West, uh, extolling the virtues of their systems of governance. There's convergences on these interests, but is there convergence in the messaging that you found? Yes. Well, first of all, let me start with uh, a few points about the formal uh, level of cooperation between Chinese uh, and Russian media. So obviously, at the level of official co cooperation, we have evidence uh, of um, Moscow and Beijing state-affiliated media getting really close. Uh, for example, there were a few cases where um, the official uh, messaging from Beijing or um, a language very similar to the one used by Chinese propaganda was actually directly incorporated in, um, in Sputnik's coverage. Uh, it was also, um, and quite importantly, in relation to different conspiracy theories, uh, for by Beijing and by Moscow to attack the US for allegedly spreading the coronavirus. Uh, and this argument was uh, widely promoted by both um, CRI and uh, Sputnik Poland. Um, and there were also several pieces um, that included wording, which was very similar to the wording used by the Chinese propaganda apparatus. Uh, for example, there was also um, a statement uh, exclusively for Sputnik Poland um, produced by the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs, uh, which was um, calling Western media to remain objective in the face of uh, um, growing disinformation uh, that, according to Sputnik and um, the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs, was actually originating not in uh, Russia or China, but from within Western uh, liberal democracies. Okay, so plenty of overlap and even, you know, taking direct quotes, uh, I guess. But are there any main differences between the Chinese and Russian messaging that are worth noting? Because I know that you did such a detailed analysis that I'm sure there must be really glaring uh, separations as well. Uh, yes. So um, one of the issues that was definitely dividing China and Russia was actually the issue of vaccines. For example, in early March 2021, um, there were news in Poland that uh, Warsaw might actually um, consider buying 
Chinese vaccines. Um, and this really made the headlines, uh, causing a lot of public debate and uh, quite a lot of controversies. Um, and Sputnik wrote about it and published a couple of pieces about um, Chinese vaccines and Russian vaccines, uh, in which um, the Chinese ones were actually portrayed in quite a negative light uh, because of the need to promote um, Sputnik V um, and also uh, to somehow um, criticize the Polish government for allegedly being Russophobic and limiting uh, people's um, choice by not allowing the Russian vaccine to enter the Polish market. Um, but another striking difference was um, the level of professionalism displayed by uh, both outlets. Um, CRI seems, compared to, compared to Sputnik, uh, CRI's form and style and level of editing is very, very poor. So the, the level of journalistic professionalism in the editorial team of CRI um, is not very high. So the content is extremely poorly edited um, and the language they use is really out of touch of, of the Polish reality on the ground where, you know, the cultural memory of um, Soviet propaganda is still, um, still um, very much an element of, of the public debate. So um, this newspeak, CCP newspeak or linguistic errors, um, uh, they, I think that they, for, for um, an average uh, Polish media consumer um, makes the coverage promoted by CRI not very attractive and actually uh, both bizarre and funny. Um, but on the other hand, as I've mentioned before, uh, Sputnik is trying to portray itself as this alternative medium, nurturing critical thinking. Uh, so because of that and because of the fact that it's not really... Um, uh, pushing forward this very uh, blunt, direct um, propaganda, it might seem a little, a little bit more attractive to local, um, to local audiences. Um, but let's bear in mind that um, just a couple of days ago, uh, European Union announced that uh, Russian state-affiliated media uh, that have been broadcasting in Europe will be banned from the from the um, common market. So I think that uh, in, a, in a way we can say that the problem of um, uh, Sputnik being too professional uh, will not uh, be around here, um, will, not be, uh, will not be a real issue here anymore. Well, yeah, that's kind of one of the main things that I want to ask you about is, you know, von der Leyen making the speech only a matter of days ago, talking about banning Sputnik from uh, the European market. Uh, I wonder what you make of that and how Russia might uh, be able to communicate its messages uh, and how China might adapt uh, more specifically to your point of your paper uh, now that Sputnik has been excluded from uh, the Polish market landscape. Uh, I think that um, at the level of um, strategic communication, the decision to ban uh, Sputnik and RT is uh, really great. This was something that um, many people were, were advocating for for quite some time now. Uh, and, um, you know, 
I think that it will have uh, considerable uh, impact on how easily um, Russia will be able to uh, promote its narratives. But given uh, the current escalation in Ukraine, I think that at the moment Russia is just completely uh, discredited. Um, so even with Sputnik and RT, uh, I think that uh, this kind of messaging uh, would not be attractive uh, anymore to the large majority of um, of European societies. Unfortunately, I'm afraid that you know um, um, this kind of messaging will find its ways uh, online. Mm, but um, which actually uh, brings me back to uh, CRI. I've been observing what CRI uh, has been doing here in Poland on its Facebook profile in the last couple of days. And it has been definitely trying to adapt um, its narratives. I think that for the first two or three days um, since uh, the war in Ukraine began, um, CRI was focusing only on uh, this very top-down official messaging. Uh, posting, for example, caricatures uh, of uh, U.S. spilling oil on the burning map of Ukraine. And uh, quite ironically, um, I think that this was the first time that uh, the CRI Facebook page um, began to generate organic engagement. So unlike before, um, when uh, I think that a lot of um, a lot of movement on on their Facebook page and on their website was uh, at least partially um, generated by by bot bot activities. Um, now I think that people actually uh, those who uh, were able to um, find this content on Facebook began to really push against it. Uh, ridicule it uh, and to actually actively engage um, against uh, what CRI has been doing. And because of that, in the last two days, um, CRI Poland uh, also shifted its attitude a little bit um, and focused on um, the positive portrayal of um, what Polish people and um, Polish society have been doing to help um, refugees fleeing from Ukraine. So they've been trying to focus on on uh, portraying um, the Polish the, the reaction of the Polish society in a positive light, uh, in an attempt to somehow counterbalance their messaging from a couple of days um, ago, when uh, it was mostly antagonizing uh, Polish a Polish audience uh, and uh, and um, making them turn against CRI. But also, I just would like to uh, make it clear that. Um, the actual impact of uh, what CRI has been doing on Polish uh, Facebook is very, very limited. I don't want to uh, sound as if I was trying to amplify uh, this messaging because, you know, it is a very closed bubble. It's either for people who are uh, observing what, what this entity, what this medium has been doing, uh, like China observers, um, or for people who, I guess, uh, by accident end up in this part of the internet where CRI is active. No, and as you said, uh, it's mostly not people in, in all likelihood that are following this uh, messaging. But I do wonder how it could become popular in the future. You know, we've talked a lot about how Russia was discredited for a period of time and then Sputnik grew 
in popularity and now is discredited again. I wonder if China could learn some lessons from that and maybe adapt its messaging or if you think that it will continue with kind of this ham-fisted presentation that it has that isn't really catching on in the Polish context, as you know. Um, I think that there are uh, quite a few important constraints to uh, the behavior of Chinese state-affiliated media abroad. One of them being the way how um, the Chinese party state works. So they do not have a lot of room to maneuver when it comes to choosing what type of messaging um, um, will be prioritized at any given uh, point in time. So obviously there are certain signs that China is adapting its, um, its tactics, for example, by outsourcing uh, PR activities uh, aiming at uh, promoting, for example, the views of local governments or uh, the attractiveness of local governments, uh, Chinese local governments, but abroad to attract investment or to attract tourists. Obviously, now in the during the pandemic, uh, this hasn't uh, worked uh, very well because of the very fact that you cannot enter China. But nevertheless, um, especially in the context of, of uh, Western countries, Western European or the US, we've seen some attempts by um, Chinese state entities to um, outsource um, this kind of propaganda activities. And because of that, their attribution might become more difficult, especially um, among people who are not very uh, well aware of uh, how the Chinese party state operates. I think that this might be one of um, the angles that we should be aware of, but I still believe that it will take a lot of time for, um, for China to really adapt um, to, um, to the local media landscape. And uh, I think that especially given how so far China has been very supportive, at least at the level of, of media coverage of what Russia has been doing in Ukraine, uh, in the long run, it's uh, it's another element that is making, or uh, it's another element that makes it more difficult to be for Beijing to actually convince both Western countries or uh, also developing countries, but also uh, societies in third countries to believe this official messaging. Well, we'll have to end it on that optimistic note that uh, their messaging is not yet convincing. And hopefully, if we have researchers like yourself putting out this type of research, we can remain vigilant on these types of issues and attempts to influence the public discourse on specific issues related to Russia and China, which, judging by current events, are by no means on the decline. So uh, I really want to thank you a lot, Alicia, and hopefully we can uh, do this again sometime soon. But really, just a big thanks from me. Thank you. For more on this pivotal region's engagement with China, please do visit the Choice website at chinaobservers.eu. Also, consider subscribing to our newsletter, where all of the prescient posts on the Choice platform are distilled down and sent directly to your inbox every month. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, on Twitter at China Observers, and on Facebook at China Observers in Central and Eastern Europe. And as always, remember to make the right choice Join us for our next Boys for Choice podcast.